Welcome to One Quick Point, the strategy-focused podcast geared towards leaders in the C-suite and professionals on their way there. At One Quick Point, you will be able to find impact-focused advice to help drive business strategy and navigate your career. I'm your host, James Walker. Let's jump in. Welcome. Glad to be back talking with you guys. It's a pretty sunny day in the District of Columbia, so I'm happy. I have a lot coming up. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be traveling for a client conference. We're going to capture some video that we can use as customer testimonials and then also think about what we can do for email and social content. But then the week after that, I'll also be traveling for a new business presentation. So I'm I'm really pumped about that. But what that means is my head is all over the place thinking about both of the, the work streams and what we could be doing to make our existing plans even better. But with my brain always moving, I decided to take a little break and think about something different. So I tried a few new podcasts that I've been waiting to listen to. If you're like me, you have a bunch saved in your queue, and Spotify is usually where I listen. I have a lot that I'm following, quote-unquote, but I'm just starting to make my way through the list. So I started with music. I love music, love, love, love it. I've always loved it since I was a child. I grew up in New York, but my family was from the West Indies, so we always listened to Calypso and Soca. And and growing up in New York and Brooklyn, really, you're going to get a bunch of hip-hop music. But then mixed in with that was reggae, salsa, R&B, a bunch of soul and jazz. So all kinds of music. So I could be listening to anything. But what I enjoyed from the podcast perspective is I'm starting to see on Spotify a bunch of podcasts about music that's really looking into the backstory of some of the songs that are out there. So two I tried to, to listen to and give a shot. First one was Undercover. Something new I discovered apparently They have artists come on and talk about songs that they've done as covers, and they explore it from a a musical standpoint as experts, really, because they get how to break it down. So the first one was Hozier talking about Say My Name from Destiny's Child. And the the best thing about covers is you never fully understand when you have a musician thinking through another artist's work. You never know where they feel like something's valuable or interesting, because I would have never paired these two up. But they had done covers of the song, and they were talking through all of the mechanics of what it was and the fact that, you know, in her teen years, Beyonce was singing like that. And I think growing up, I always heard this song, and it was just a matter of fact. It's what was on the radio. Is They played it over and over and over again. But to hear him talk through it and think about all the different things that Beyonce did at that age, all the things that the group was doing in terms of the melodies... It's amazing. And when you think about how it's all put together, it's not just one piece of it. It's the song, it's the voices, it's the runs that they chose to do, when they chose to go through the bridge, how it all really fits together that makes it this this beautiful masterpiece. My only thing about this podcast was I listened to it. It was pretty short. It was about eight minutes. But then I didn't get the payoff. They didn't play the cover. Spotify, using it as a marketing tool, tried to push me to listen to the song. So I had to leave the podcast and then go find the song on Spotify to listen. So that was a little bit of an annoying part. If, if anybody from Spotify listens, please do. Just throw the song in there or at least serve me up with a pop-up or an ad so I can easily click over and listen to the song that they were just talking about. Because now I didn't listen to the song. I was frustrated. I was in the car, so I didn't want to be messing around with it too much. I just wanted to listen. So I jumped over to another podcast, um, one I've listened to before and enjoyed. It's called Dissect and lives up to its name. They really dig into what the music is and break it down, lyrics, everything. So it's a great place for any music fans to geek out, and that's what I was doing. I listened to The Miseducation of Lauren Hill last year 
on this podcast and really, really enjoyed it. They get down to minutia. And so when I heard they were doing this with Tyler, the creator, of course, I jumped on a big fan of his music, particularly um, 2017 Flower Boy was really something that from from melody, from a beat standpoint, all of it really. I just I just rock with it. So. I'm listening in and they're talking about when the flower blooms, which is one of my favorite songs off of that. And they're breaking it down to the types of chords that musicians typically play and the order in which they play it so that it all seems like it fits together and it's a natural progression. And he mentions how the the musicians behind this song really started to play with double chords, thinking about notes, and then they would do one or two or three in, on the normal scale and then reach outside of that normal scale to pull one in. And he talks about how they did that and what really makes sense. Once again, I warned, true geek out moment. But as I'm thinking about these things, I really started to understand that these are not just happenstance things. It's all very, very intentional, including when they're moving you out of a comfortable space to bring in a new element to differentiate the song and really make it unique. So if they're not doing anything intentional and people all around the world love it, just love music, why are we not doing the same thing with our PR, our marketing, our business strategies? Why are we not being intentional? So I have two messages for everyone listening today. First one is... Nothing without intention. Do nothing without intention. And the second one is that thinking about intention, we need to take this approach, which I think is the best approach to integrated media. First of all, let's just a quick refresher. From my perspective, integrated media is all about paid media, earned media, shared or social media, and owned media channels. Paid we get, that's the advertising aspect that's coming through. Earned is our traditional media relations, shared and socials, anything that we're doing in terms of social content, community management, etc. And then own media is what I'm looking at is more so a little bit on email side, a little bit on your website in terms of the channels that you have putting together. But what I'm seeing is there are a lot of people talking about how they're doing integrated campaigns and what they're serving you up is a menu essentially of what fits under paid, earned, shared, and owned. But they don't talk about how it all fits together. So if you are serving that and you're working with clients or even if you're in-house and you're thinking through how I can leverage each channel, but you're doing them all separately and not thinking about how they're working together. You're not getting the most you can out of the channel. To put another take on it, I think we need a little bit less meal prep with integrated media and more marble cake. And for everybody who's into meal prep, you know, you have all of your food and ingredients, your elements, and you have your nice little, you know, Tupperware dishes or whatever you're using to store them, and they're segmented out. So you have your rice, you have your, your grilled onions, you have your meat, your protein, and then you, you may have something else, or a dessert or something else that's kind of saying, this is my lunch and this is what I'm doing each day. But they're all very separate. But what you're really eating and what you really want is a full meal. So I think the marble cake really does it. There's many, many ingredients that go into that if you're making that from scratch. But in the end, you have one product. You can tell and differentiate the different elements from looking at it, but ultimately, it's a piece of cake. You cannot separate it. And it, the fact that you can't separate it is the thing that makes it great as one holistic product. And I think that's the way that we have to approach integrated media. To me, that's the best approach to integrated media. Put all of the ingredients together. Make it make sense working together, and you're going to get more value out of it. To put this into context, let's talk about Curiosity Stream. If you haven't heard of it, it's a global nonfiction subscription video on demand streaming service. 
lot of words. But what it basically means is that you can watch nonfiction documentaries about science, technology, history, and nature right there from your phone or anywhere you can actually stream. It was founded by John Hendricks, who is the founder of Discovery Channel. And I had the, the opportunity to sit down with one of their marketing managers recently. They have a great library of um, documentaries that you can watch. And their packages started just $2.99. So if you think about everything that's going on, you know, I'm on the road traveling, Game of Thrones is going on, and I'm immediately trying to figure out, okay, how am I watching this? Okay, I need to log into HBO Go and do all of these things. Streaming is becoming a, a preferred option, if not a great alternative, when you are not sitting in front of an actual TV. And with the content they have, I think it's amazing that they're offering as much as they are. It's something like over 600 hours worth of content for that price. So they definitely need to get the word out because it's an amazing product and an amazing offering that they have. But looking at this, how would you set it up with an integrated campaign? You can look at it and say, okay, we have paid, earned, shared, and owned channels. When we were talking and I got a sense of what was going on, there was a lot of conversation around what they were going to potentially do with paid and some with social because of the types of content that they were creating, videos to promote what's going on. They were looking at nature documentaries and really showing some of the crazy stuff of people who go out into the wild and interact with like venomous animals and, 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 and have amazing experiences that look great on screen. So they have content there that they can be doing something with. So I think a lot of times people obviously go to paid and social. They figure out, okay, we need social content to build our social media audience and let's use paid to promote that and people will follow. And then we can also use paid to drive to site. But what I see here is a much broader story. You're thinking about that price point and that immediately starts to get me thinking about how there's this war going on with you know cable networks but then also thinking streaming services and i was even talking with a colleague yesterday about how the disney and fox deal what's going on with nbc and basically the big networks are becoming big again because they're acquiring all the different various streams they have access to movie content and the libraries but there's also a ton of creation going on if you think about netflix and their original series so netflix is definitely fighting the good fight the networks are getting big, but then you also have these smaller streaming services that are popping up with very tight niches. So if you think about all of that, the story here is how are we consuming content now? Where are the price points that are actually attracting consumers and not attracting consumers? Are people deciding in the same way that they have a specific type of playlist they want to listen to on Spotify where I listen to hip hop and jazz and that's what I like? Are they watching TV in that way now, where I only do that? I know a ton of people now who are pretty much, maybe it's just because I'm back in D.C., they're certified news junkies and they really only watch the news. Are there people who are pretty much only watching documentaries? Are they only watching scientific shows? To me, there's a story that we can craft out of who's watching what, what are they willing to pay to watch it in this new environment, and how are people spending time, you know, I think from a, from a streaming standpoint, a lot of people on the Metro are doing that. And, you know, they're either reading a book or they're watching a show and they're, they're downloading this to their phone so they can do that. There's something about how we pass the time. So I see about maybe two, three stories we could try to make around this. One around the price point, one about how people consume content. And then the third one would be around how the networks and these streaming services are kind of battling it out for consumer attention. So that would definitely be something that's going to fit into the earned side of things. But then on the own side, what are you putting on your site? Some of that social content that they're, they're, you're pushing in that direction could definitely live on site and be a way that you could tell the story around what people are watching and what, what you want them to, to experience. So those are the elements. So that's like meal prep. 
to think about how you take it from that into the marble cake space into really thinking about integrating media, the key here is how it fits together. And there's a sequencing that needs to happen. You have to determine what lever you're going to pull first in order for the campaign to have its maximum value. I, like I said, a lot of people knee-jerk. They go paid and social. But to me, if you can get this sold in to a journalist as like, hey, this is an earned story that is relevant, that is useful, and that people are going to be interested in thinking about, which I agree it could be, I'm starting with earned. I'm going to have my site set up. I'm going to build out a social community so I have that and, and all the engines are going. But at the same time, when I'm thinking about how we are going to sequence this, I'm going to start with earn and then back my way into the other pieces of the content. Because from a more corporate standpoint, from a reputation standpoint, I can get that story in the right places. And then I can also use paid to promote the fact that those stories are out there. I can also use those stories and share it on social. So I almost want to start that ecosystem of building the audience and getting people saying, hey, what's Curiosity Stream? Oh, I'm hearing about that. Less from an advertising perspective, but more from an, uh, an informative perspective that Earn still really owns. So we go with that, and then I would start to use that in paid and social to build. And I would also at the same time then turn on the social content and the social advertising piece and then i would have own waiting so as people started to figure out what was happening here i'd be making my website experience a little bit more interesting and thinking about emails and how we can capture and then people signed up so they can be learning more about what's going on there and in that process between the website and the email piece we're going to be heavily pumping the fact that we need you to convert we need you to sign up it's a great price point so if you think about that, there is a bit of a sequencing. We're still hitting each channel, but it fits together in one cohesive strategy, which is generate the awareness about what it is, build the reputation, talk about how it fits into cultural context, and this is all still in that earned space, then cascade that down to build the reputation and then show the more community aspects, the more cultural aspects, the more content-focused aspects of what you have through paid and social, and then you're driving everybody to your site in, in, in the own space, hopefully getting them to confer, convert. So... If that makes sense, well, the sequencing is going to give you the maximum piece. If I just start with paid and social, I'm going to spend a lot of time there trying to build an audience and get people to convert without really turning on the other engines. And if I do it later, it'll be more so that maybe a journalist has noticed me or maybe we figured out something later. But to me, the best way to get that value and build your audience and bring them in is to go broad and start with earn and work your way through. But it's one cohesive strategy. So we're kind of moving people down the funnel, pulling on all four streams, all four channels. So remember, be intentional, and let's use integrated media with the best approach, which is less meal prep and more marble cake. Now let's switch over to one quick question. One quick question is the segment where we hear from you, the listeners, and you get to ask me any question you'd like about PR, marketing, business, strategy, and I'll give you my honest, unfettered opinion. So today's one quick question is about B2B marketing strategy. I was talking with someone and they were trying to figure out how to come up with a B2B strategy that would differentiate what they were offering in the marketplace. So the thing about B2B is it, it comes off as a little bit boring, technical usually, because people are talking about very back-end things, things consumers don't see or particularly care about, but they are the things that actually bring that business to market and make whatever you're using on the B2B side usually pretty efficient. So from a B2B standpoint, what you're doing is you're selling to someone what you have to offer, and you're 
focusing so much on the, the, the values and the products and the services and the technical capabilities that sometimes you lose the fact that they are a person that needs a thing that's going to do something for them. In some way, it's going to help improve their life. Usually, it's going to make something faster, more efficient, easier. You can do it cheaper. Those are all things that you are going to naturally include in your marketing messaging. But what you're, you may lose in the way of trying to convince them of all of those things is the end value. So if something is faster, it's faster and that gives you time to do something else. If it's cheaper, it gives you more budget to do something else. So I always try to think about what's that value behind whatever you're saying. And that's the focus point. We're currently in the process of developing a B2B marketing strategy for one of my clients. And that's what we're really trying to get at. So we're talking to customers. We're talking to the sales team. We're talking to the marketing managers and getting a sense of what is that thing behind all of the products and service value points that the end consumer is actually going to get from using our products and services. That's the part that we have to dial in on. That's the message that we want to get. And that's where we're going to orient that campaign. So once again, if you're thinking about B2B marketing, think about what's going on on the other side for the person and speak to them as a person that's getting that from you. And to me, that's going to differentiate you because everybody's talking about the very specific product points. And after a while, it, you get lost in a glaze. But if I'm talking to you about what you're going to feel on an emotional and a physical level because of my product and service, I think I'm still going to get you. So that's one quick question and one quick point. Thanks for listening and we'll talk soon.